0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Bulletproof Hygiene Podcast. This week we are talking about something that's near and dear to our hearts for all of us as hygienists. We are talking about what we wish our doctors knew about us and you know the doctor hygiene relationship is a really really important big part of what we do so we want to just cover a lot of topics on that direction and What brought us to this is I've been reading a lot of uh, forums lately. Um, You know, we're obviously in the middle of COVID and that's really changed how things look for us in our practices. And I'm just seeing a lot of stress and strain um, out there from hygiene saying, you know, gosh, my doc is like. You know, we're down because we were closed for COVID for a while, and so the finances aren't there, and so there's that stress of now, I, you know, now my doctor wants me to see more patients in less time, but we've got this new PPE, and that's taking more time, and I just, I'm in this crunch, and I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, and oh my gosh, I can't wait for retirement in two years, and I just keep seeing these comments, and it makes me super, super sad um, because, you know, when we're working at that level of stress and, and panic and frustration, we're not our best selves for our patients or our team or our practice. So, um, you know, I just wish I had a magic wand. I would make COVID disappear entirely, but um, we don't. So we just kind of kind of have the hard conversations and figure out how to make this work for us. So. Yeah. And,
1: and I do. Yeah, absolutely. And I am seeing the same things, you know, as I watch social forums. And to be honest, they, you know, anything social, anything in written form is not my personal favorite, because as we know, it's all of the nonverbal things about communication that really help to get what we really mean across. So I think that a lot of things can be Misperceived or misunderstood. However, I also think because we're missing that face-to-face contact, it tends to be a little bit of event session um, because there are the things that people don't necessarily want to say to people's faces or you know in person. They might be the uncomfortable conversations to be having. So I do think it's a little bit of um, it tends to be a a more kind of negative. Yeah, at least in my experience, the the platforms that are written, you know, are a little more negative than. And yeah. we were having these conversations face to face or in person and had had the, um, you know, could hear people's thoughts and concerns and their um, the emphasis on certain words and and the sound of their voice and their, see their body language and all that stuff. So that stuff is missing. It's It's a little bit. It, it stinks to me, you know, I wish that those forms could be something different. And I think that maybe they will develop um, a little bit over time, but I think that that really needs to start with us being really, really honest and transparent with what we need from our dentists and what we want them to understand about us. Because I do think that there is um, a gap and there's, there's a space between us kind of culturally. And I think that that is kind of across the board. Do you agree with that?
0: A hundred percent. Yes. 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 Um, so hopefully maybe we can speak to that. Maybe we can start breaking down some of those barriers today. Um, and I guess let's just go get going. Um, I I think one thing that I want Dennis to know about us as hygienists is that we want to be great. We want to be great for our patients, for our team and for the practice. Um, you know, I don't know that many, I know there are some, but I don't know that many hygienists that are just kind of pro bono out there doing, doing this for no, no good reason, or just for the, you know, the sake of the patient. I mean, we're here to obviously make a living and support our families. Um, but I think most hygienists, when you, when you kind of take them back to their why of why they're doing this, um, it, it really is because they want to take care of people. They want to connect with people. They want to be great for those patients. Right. So I think that's important to remember. Like. Yes, sometimes things can get to the point where you're like you are just like dragging yourself in to to do the job. Um, but when you're there, it's time to kind of revisit that. And I think if doctors are getting that vibe, it's probably a good time to check in because yeah. There, yeah. we all have that potential to be great.
1: Right. Well, I think it's a good time for us to check in with ourselves too, because I think that the base of this issue may be the lack of communication. Yes, you know, because I think that when we, either have communicated something once and felt like, you know, we weren't heard or nothing changed, we tend to stop communicating. And we may actually have forgotten what we talk about all the time, which is like our why, like, why are we doing this? And, and if we forget our own why, it's going to be less apparent to other people, you know, especially our doctors. So I think it's important to go back to the drawing board of like, okay, what do we need in this situation? Like, are we lacking in communication? What things haven't we talked about in a long time, what things could be missing in our, our relationships with our docs, and maybe like touch on some of that. So for me, I, I think that one thing, and this may be off of the COVID topic a little bit, but something that I think that I really wish our, our docs would know, and, and actually, you know, by the way, I want to back up for just a second and say, um, this episode really is, we want our doctors to understand from our perspective, like, what a hygienist come from is, what is our motivation for being here and doing what we're doing? What is our education like? Like how extensively can you and should you trust us? What kind of autonomy should we be given? How, how do we generally operate best? We want you to understand from our perspective what that looks like, because there's no way that otherwise that you would know. Like we, we can't expect, and we talk about this all the time too, we can't expect others to read our minds, you know? So, uh, so we were just talking about, Teresa and I, Um, before we started this that we don't go to dental school you know so we don't know all the ins and outs and all the the specific things that you've learned we don't know the extent and like the depth and the breadth of what you learn and like how extensive your training is how stressful that was for you what's your how you've developed since then and you know what you've learned um you know we just trust that you have a lot of a lot of education you put a lot of time into this you took a huge risk opening your practice or you know becoming a partner or or um being a contractor, you know what I mean? Um, we we understand kind of some of the risks, but we don't understand it completely unless you tell us. So we kind of want from our perspective to tell you kind of what our training has been, what our initial whys were and and kind of build trust with our dentists that way. Because I think that that's a big missing thing is transparency, communication and trust. Yes. And, and I, so I kind of want to just say, you know, our intention for this is just to open the line of communication. We hope that hygienists from this get this feeling of um, the ability to start conversations that might be uncomfortable with their dentists, you know, and, and hopefully vice versa for the dentists who are listening to this, because I think there are a lot of things that have to be aired and discussed, and this is the the time to do that. So I want to back up and say, you know, hygiene to me is a specialty, you know? So I think that that's one thing that our, our dentists maybe don't consider, or have forgotten, or maybe we don't even consider or have forgotten. I think that hygiene is a specialty. So our training is specific to obviously non-surgical periotherapy, understanding our patient as a whole, you know, considering their medical, their dental, their emotional history, their family history, you know, um, all the background stuff before we even dive into the the clinical aspects, you know, but I wanted to know, Sharisa, do you want to explain a little bit of how your experience was in hygiene school to give a little bit of perspective? And then I can kind of dive into a little bit of how my experience was.
0: Yeah. And obviously they're going to be drastically different because I went to hygiene school when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I've been practicing this July will be my 25th year. um, And I would say, you know, hygiene is hygiene school is. Uh, Very meticulous on teaching, obviously, assessment, 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 really making sure that you're taking top quality diagnostic x rays and doing full periodontal charting and and understanding the anatomy of, you know, every tooth and um, understanding, you know, back in my day, we didn't know as much as we do now about the whole oral systemic connection. I mean, we knew a fair bit, but I mean, it's really come along. So Mm -hmm. I feel like you got a lot more of that than I did, but um, just really honing your skills for assessment and looking, putting all the pieces together to really see the patient as a whole. Um, You know, sometimes I think doctors kind of forget that the hygiene appointment is, is stressful and it's hard for us because it encompasses so much. We are looking at everything together. So, whereas the doctor has maybe a limited exam where they're looking at one tooth or, you know, they're, they know what's, they know what that patient is coming in for. Maybe they're working on a quadrant. Maybe they're, you know, working on two teeth. Theirs is more focused. We as hygienists are really looking at everything, you know, we're, we're doing the patient history and, you know, looking at the occlusion and oral cancer screening and periodontal assessment. We're doing so much also having the personal conversations because the patient's, you know, trusting us and spending a lot of time with us. So there's a whole lot that goes into that hygiene hour um, that they don't always kind of think about and realize. So in hygiene school, you're learning how to, how to take all those assessments and put all that together. And then on top of that, how to best clinically perform whatever therapeutic needs that patient has.
1: Right. And I think that you hit the nail on the head just now, because I'm just thinking about when, you know, the doc comes in for any kind of assessment or exam, how, you know, the hygienist at that point obviously has already taken the time to do all the assessment, put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And now they're kind of delivering it in this like tightly wrapped, like neat package. You know, if we're doing, if we're doing it right, you know, we're delivering all of the fine print or all the outcomes of all of those steps of assessment so that you can just address the most important things, you know, but we've gone through all of these things to obtain that information. And that is a specific, like niche skill, you know, and it's a refined and honed skill, I think, you know. Um, So I think that that might be one thing that is, is missing, you know, we want to like set our docs up for success, obviously, but it takes all of that like background. It does sometimes take those personal conversations with the patient too, you know, to get them to trust and really divulge what's going on in their medical history or divulge what's going on with their mental health or their, you know, their situation currently. And that all plays a factor in their stress and their immune system. And, you know, obviously in in their physical issues, but just in what's going on for them in general.
0: And I think, I think a lot of times that Again, just with the daily grind, like docs kind of forget that we're doing all those things or they, they, they are so focused on what they've got going on, which I get because they've got a lot going on too, wow. but they kind of start to think of hygiene as this like loss leader of like, you're just in there slinging profi paste and, you know, getting some, some stain off the teeth. I just got to run down and do that check real quick. If, if they're allowing us to do everything we need to do and we're working on that, you know, as a partnership, that's going to bring a lot of revenue into the practice because we're allowed to take the time and do all the things we've been trained to do. Yep. So back to you, what, what school-wise for you, coming in, you know, a little more fresh, what what did that look like for you? <laughs> um, it, it So
1: it looked probably similar, but different to your experience. And it is, it is more fresh. I I graduated in 2012 and um, I already feel like things have developed and changed so much since that point. Like I couldn't even imagine the, the, the amount of CE, by the way, I just want to commend you for, because the amount of CE that you have done, like you are so up to date with everything you graduated 25 years ago now, but it's incredible how up to date you are with all is literally like it just amazes me uh, every day when we have these conversations and you know everything about everything in hygiene. Um my school experience was I honestly didn't realize before I went to school obviously the unique role that dental hygienists play in our patients' lives. Um I didn't realize how important we were. I didn't realize all the hats that we would wear, you know, all the the, the things that we would have to take on as, as hygienists and the timing and all that stuff, obviously. Um, but in hygiene school, I really, really, what was in, in embedded and ingrained in my head and what our professors and the docs really relayed was how important our assessment and our connection is in our rapport with the patient, you know? And, and it goes back to like those very basic like connectivity things. Um, I, I didn't realize you know, all the pieces of the puzzle, obviously before hygiene school. And I didn't after I graduated either. And it's been this ongoing, obviously learning cycle, like it is for everyone. No one it has arrived yet. You know, I definitely haven't arrived, but in school um, oral systemic link was a very big deal. Understanding how many comorbidities there are between perio and systemic issues, understanding causative issues, you know, like cause and effect and diabetes and A1C and even um, autoimmune diseases and infl- inflammatory processes and how that all plays into overall health. Um, that was a big, a big thing for me. But I think one thing that I want to touch on is like hygienists, our, our curriculum is so intense and involved. It's like, I felt like it was a two-year degree that should have been a four-year degree, you yeah. know? Like really, if I'm being honest, you know, and and I have since, you know, I had an AA, I got a bachelor's degree after, and like hygiene, the AS degree for hygiene was more intense than any other education that I've ever, you know, had or been through. And it includes things like pharmacology, you know, like, or um, pathology and embryology. Like there's all these courses that like, I think maybe dentists do or don't know that we, you know, had to take, but like those things get pretty involved. You know, we do know a lot about a lot and we want to use all the things that we learned. And I think that, you know, it's important to understand kind of what the educational background is, but also realize that we've spent like hours and years of our lives learning to probe and learning to do that oral assessment and learning to formulate hygiene treatment plans and co-diagnose with our doctors. And then I think like, like we touched on before, you know, the biggest thing for me is I graduated with so much empowerment. Like I felt really prepared. I was really like, ready and excited about my career. I was excited to take the very best care of patients. I was ready to go. And then I got out and felt like I kind of hit a brick wall, you know, and it was a lot to do with, um, real world things that I think we all struggle with and have encountered. And for me, it was like dentists, um, just not really, being empowering of their hygienist necessarily, and maybe not understanding the value that we could bring or the education that I am bringing into your practice right now, the things that I want to contribute, you know, like, and we're all like ready to do it. And then you hit this wall of like, all right, there's a lot of things that we don't understand about each other. Clearly, there's a lot of conversations that need to be had that just haven't been right. Um, And I remember like, you know, we discussed in our our first or, you know, one of the podcasts, um, realizing that a lot of things are insurance-driven or people are making decisions based on what people's insurance will cover instead of, you know, best case and, um, a lot of other barriers that we have, you know? So, so it's really interesting how we get like this rolling start and there's a lot of excitement and preparation and we feel really like ready. And then we hit this brick wall when it comes to communication. And I don't think that dentists mean to do that to us. You know, I I just think that they, they don't know, and we don't know, and no one's talking about it.
0: Right. Right. Well, and I think, So that's, that's one of my things is I feel like I want, I want our dentist to know that we need some, we need some space. We need some autonomy. Um, You know, we are professionals. We went to school, we learned, we're here, we're excited. Um, So we need that autonomy. We need some freedom. We need the trust. um, And, you know, we need the empowerment. And I think you know, Brittany, I think your personal history with that, I want you to talk a little bit of that, about that, about coming out of school and hitting that brick wall and how you got through that. Because I think so many hygienists hit that brick wall and, you know, they hit it a couple of times and they're like, all right, I'm done. And I'm just going to, you know, just look, you know, sit in this little environment and I'm going to sling prophy paste and, you know, I'll do this 10 more years. And it's not like that fulfilling, exciting thing. And so you have such a great story of hitting that wall and how you overcame that.
1: I think that it was an experience that many of us have had. I think that you're absolutely right. So when I was fresh out of hygiene school, um, I was temping, I worked part-time, I was really trying to discover where I wanted to end up, you know, and I think that that's a great thing to do right out of school, like get some experience at different offices, see if you like large office or private practice or you know, corporate setting and, you know, that sort of thing. Like, what do you prefer? What do you like? And get to know different people in the dental community. I think that that's a part of networking and, and finding out where our dental home is going to be. So that was definitely part of my process. Um, initially, I was part-time. I temped a little bit uh, before I, I landed my first full-time job. And I, um, I remember during my interview, actually, with, with this dentist, um, he said, you know, people just want their profees and they want to go home, you know? And I remember this so clearly because I was so floored. I was so floored by that question. Like it was a statement and a question. And I just like nodded my head externally and like screamed internally and was like, no, (laughs) but I was like, oh yeah, you know, sure. Sure. Uh, Okay. And I really needed a full-time job. I really wanted to get going in my career. And I was kind of like, all right, I, I need a job. And he ended up hiring me. And then there were a lot of things that had to be addressed clearly after that moment, there was uh, a misalignment of core values and kind of different beliefs. And, um, and that's okay. I think it's okay. And sometimes that can develop together and we can develop culture and develop core values. It's obviously not an ideal situation to start that way. But like I said, there were certain needs in my life that I felt like I had to kind of cross off the list. um, And that, that was the best thing for me at that time. So um, I walked into that practice and you know, their design, their hygiene department design was um 45 minutes per patient. You know, I think I started at like 715 or 745 and ended the day at four or something, you know. So I'd see, I don't know, 10, 11 patients in that period of time. It was it was quite a few, it was more than I was expecting, you know. Um so if it was a full mouth debridement or perio maintenance or profi, it was a 45 minute appointment. There were, uh, there, there hadn't been periodontal charting going on historically. So I walked in and had, you know, next to no information about people's periodontal health and, and everyone was having a profi and, you know, clearly that wasn't, um, appropriate didn't fit the needs of the population, but that was, that was the case. That's kind of what I walked into. Um, the medical histories weren't being updated. So I, you know, would come across by the way, these were all paper charts and we were filing them, you know, I was writing my notes on paper and putting them in a folder and handing them to the admin person at the front. So it was just a a very interesting experience. I'm actually really thankful for this experience, but it was definitely a challenge kind of walking into a situation like that as a relatively new grad. So that was a situation that I walked into. Um, It was obviously a challenge and I understand that not everyone is kind of in this position, but I was at that moment in time in a position where I was like, I know what is, what is best, like generally assessment wise, diagnostic wise, I know how to move forward from here. I felt, I felt very confident in my ability to assess and, and co-diagnose and formulate hygiene treatment plans. So I was like, I know what I need to do. So I I'm going to just do my best and kind of, what do I have to lose? You know, and I understand that everyone is not at that point in their career, but I think that if we are feeling burnt out or run down, or like this isn't turning out how we expected it to be, it might be a point where it's like, what do I have to lose? Because who wants to live like that? You know, who wants to function that way? Like something that's less than ideal, less than fulfilling, or, uh, you know, if you're looking forward to retirement that much, you know, that it's not going so well, it's not going ideally, you know, right. that is something to consider. So not everyone is in the position that I was, where I was a new grad and had nothing to lose all this stuff, but I think we all are in the position where we're humans and we need certain things and that that was the position that I was in. So um, I decided I'm going to move forward. I'm going to tape this keyboard. I'm going to do my own perio charts. I'm going to update the mid histories. I'm going to start educating patients. I'm going to inform the dentist of how I'm educating them, the treatment plans that I would like to formulate. And honestly, what was happening was I was educating the patients about their problem. Mm-hmm. I would say this is how these are the potential you know, options. These are the ways that we could potentially address this or treat this or arrest this disease process that you've got going on. This is the risk of doing nothing. I'm going to discuss with the dentist, what your treatment options are, and then have him kind of make the final determination. Because like you mentioned, obviously our licenses are under the umbrella of the dentist's license. I can't move forward with treatment and there was nothing, you know, illegal going on. There's nothing unethical going on. It was really like I have this information, I'm not going to waste it, I, I want to do what's best for the patient. So I'm just going to take a risk and see what happens kind of thing. So that's, that's kind of what ended up happening. And I think I was fortunate in the fact that, you know, when I shared this information with the dentist, and he saw that patients were really having some aha moments and were on board with treatment before he was he was okay with it. Right? He was like, Oh, oh, okay, Miss Jones, like wants scaling, like what, like, you know, and right. it was just such an interesting dynamic, you know, but I think that a lot of us have had this experience and maybe haven't taken the risk or haven't um, chosen to take the super like hard and challenging road of, I'm going to start from
0: scratch and like take this on myself. And well, I think sometimes when we feel like we don't have freedom or we feel like we don't have that autonomy that we, we, we are looking for, we can either let it shut us down and just stay stuck there and kind of be miserable, or we can, even if we're not getting the autonomy we want completely from, from our doctors or our office managers or for wherever that's coming from, um, you chose to create your own autonomy with your patient. And that's, I think, where the starting point probably needs to be for a lot of people who feel stuck, is you have the training, you have the knowledge, you have the connection with your patient, there's they are coming to you for your professionalism, for your expertise, for your advice and for your treatment. And so you have, you, you should have that autonomy. You're, you know, like you said, you're not moving forward with treatment without, you know, presenting that to the doctor, presenting all your findings and having that conversation and letting them guide that. But if you're really doing that in the right way, you are going to have your patients saying, Hey, you know, I do want to take care of this. And I mean, especially in today's times, With, you know, the internet at our fingertips and everybody being able to research, you know, sometimes I'll have patients who, you know, I'll do my assessment, I'll talk to them about what I'm seeing, you know, you can tell they're not quite sure. Nobody's ever talked to me about this before. I'm not sure how I feel about this. And, you know, I say, you know what, I want you to go home and research this. I want you to just, you know, Google's great. Look up periodontal disease and diabetes. Look at, look at periodontal disease and A1C. I want you to educate yourself so that you can make the best decision. And so if we're empowering ourselves with what we've got with the patient conversation and communication, then we're at the same time empowering the patient to start asking questions and making those decisions. And I know from your story that once you started doing this and the doctor realized they didn't have to because I think honestly, if we're we're all being honest, we're all driven by so many personal fears. Mm -hmm. And that's why we don't necessarily talk to patients about things. We don't like giving them bad news. We don't want to have to talk to them about spending a ton of money and we don't want to be salesy. You know, all those fears exist. Um, But when your doctor saw that you were teeing that up and the patient was ready to move forward, all of a sudden that fear factor was gone from them. They didn't have to, you know, like, present all that and and worry about the finances, like the patient was ready to go. And right. then of course you turn around and the doctor's looking at, wow, my bottom line is up this month because we're actually treating our patients according to their needs. Right. And then they become more open to that. Yeah. And, and it was
1: kind of cyclical like that. Like it was like an, you know, a first aha kind of when patients were actually saying yes and some surprise, you know, but I think that I do want to touch on this, the fact that you know, we don't have control over what our patients ultimately decide. So we can all take that chip off our shoulder. Yes. You know, like we do not have to carry that around. Doctors don't hygienists don't ultimately, like you said, listen, we have the education and we have the license and the ethical responsibility to present all of the issues. And if, and if I were the patient, I think it's important to remember this perspective too. If you or I are the patient and we find out like we, we weren't fully informed or wow, this person really didn't tell me everything that was going on in my mouth. And we weren't given given the freedom or autonomy, uh, autonomy to make a decision for our own health. Like that would feel really terrible. You know, I never want my patients to look back and feel that way. Or even if they're never aware, like, I don't, I don't want that for my patients, you know, but it's just a fact that a certain percent of people will say yes almost all the time, if you suggest something. And then there's a certain percentage of people who will say no almost all the time. And then there's a percentage of people in the middle who are, you know, in the middle, and it depends on the information and the way that it's presented to them and what's going on and their financial situation, whatever, you know, whatever their barriers are and the way that it was communicated to them and whatever. So, but I think if we all take that the weight off of us like we have to decide for the patient what they want what's best for them and just let go of that false sense of control anyway because it doesn't really exist i think there's a lot of freedom in that right you know and i think that part of you know this dentist barrier was he got into a habit he probably had some experiences early on and he was um he'd been practicing a long time you know so i'm sure that his experience and his education was significantly different than mine too you know that's okay like we're yes. all we've all had different experiences we're yes. all at different places in our lives and careers Um, but I would think, you know, it just seemed like there was an experience early on that was like a a patient probably did just want their profi and go home, you know, like they did just want that. And maybe it happened several times. So this person formed this belief that like people just want their profis and they want to go home. Um, you know, but then that's not okay because then we're making the decision for the patient.
0: Exactly. And that's, and that's what I feel like we are falling into collectively as hygienists is. You know, we we talk a lot about the phrase bloody profies. And that's when your patients come in and you do your assessment and you see some inflammation and you start scaling and you see some bleeding and we're doing a prophy for a patient who has active infection and we're not taking the time to really educate them and have the conversation. And we just made a decision for that patient without them even knowing that they had a decision to make. And, you know, that, that's a malpractice issue. Right. Um, but we we get scared to kind of put all the information out there. And if we don't feel like we're empowered from our doctors to really do that, then, you know, that's malpractice across the board for everyone. Right. So let's
1: just address the phrase bloody prophy for a second too, because yes. if it's bloody, it's not a prophy, right? You just did free scaling and yes. it was probably really uncomfortable for the patient or yes. you just did free gingivitis therapy and they didn't have a good time either. And they're not sure why, right. you know, like, it's just so interesting, like this perspective that we have. And I think let's go back to, to some of, um, what the fears might be. Because I think that some of what the fears might be like you touched on are, you know, the, the fears of presenting this information to the patient are, um, like the patient isn't going to like me, right. The patient isn't going to believe me. The patient might leave the practice. The patient might not want to move forward with treatment. Um, and I think in the hygienist situation too, part of our fear might be the doctor might not have my back. I might do all this work and then not be supported, you know, like, so all of these things are, are fears that we've kind of got to address and overcome. And I think that, you know, like we just said about, you know, certain amount of people will say yes and no and kind of be in the middle and need that information to and have help deciding. Um, I think that uh, the fear of being rejected or not being believed is just like a, a normal human fear. It's obviously very common and we can we can all kind of let let go of that, too. I think that what would help hygienists significantly is to have open dialogue anytime that there is um, a challenge or disagreement in treatment plans. Like you and Dr. Bolden were very open about the fact that like you formulate treatment plan. Dr. Bolden, you know, sometimes wasn't on the same page. Like he didn't agree or you guys had differences in opinion and you guys maybe would talk about it amongst yourselves, but not in front of the patient, obviously. Um, But I think that every time there is that lack of... um, consistency or, or disagreement in treatment planning. I think it's worth the conversation, like circling back to say, Hey, why I really want to understand, like you have different education than I do. Like I, w- I want your point of view. I want your perspective. And I really want to learn here. Right. You know, because, because moving forward, that's just going to help us to have that confidence that we can have hard conversations with the patient that the doc is most likely going to have our back and be on the same page. And we don't have to fear that, you know, there's going to be like a comfortable conversation that can come of that. Um, what do you think?
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with that entirely. I mean, I, we, in life, I think we get driven by our fears more than anything else. So I think it's kind of taking a step back and asking yourself, like, what am I really afraid of here? And then, you know, once you get to the root of that, start kind of, how can I be proactive and really address this? There's one other thing I want to talk about that's not necessarily a fear, but more of like a filter that I think every single human operates from. Um, and the that filter is it's it's all about me. And so one of the things I feel like I, w- I want our doctors to know about us is we need transparency. Um, because everyone's tendency, I feel like, is to just filter everything through, oh, well, this is about me. And he said no and I did a bad job and that patient said no and now they don't like me. And you know, it has nothing to do with you. Like that patient may be going through a divorce and its life is really stressful and their finances aren't good right now. And they, you know, they don't want to tell you all that. It's not about you. And so I think we need a lot of transparency within the practice of like you're saying, like have those conversations when, hey, how come, you know, I I recommended that and you didn't feel good about that? Like, tell me why. The more you really understand each other and have that transparency, the better you're going to function as a, as a provider team and the healthier you're going to get your patients. And I think that transparency needs to be in all aspects. Like I think from a business aspect, you know, I've talked to a lot of dentists over the years and it's crazy to me that in dental school, they don't talk a whole lot about business. They don't teach them a whole lot about how to run a business, right. um, how to I communicate mean, yeah. effectively, all those kind of things. And so I think there needs to be transparency, you know, like depending on your practice, you know, every practice I've worked at, there was always like a, a you know, a morning huddle meeting and we'd go over our goals for the day and the numbers for the day and what the patients needed for the day. But we as hygienists don't always put those numbers together with how that's keeping the business going and when we're doing well and when we're doing not so well. And I think that needs to be shared because if we're all working toward the common goal, we got to know everything. And in the same vein, I think this feels a little uncomfortable probably for people, but I think there needs to be transparency, like within our personal lives and not like all the details, like we're not all going to be best friends and I don't need to know everything but like if we're having a bad day or we've got some stress outside of the, the practice it's it's important to just say hey guys i'm not i'm not having the best day right now like it's important to know that because again with our me filter yeah if you're having one of those days and you feel like you've got a team member that's just bumping up against you all day or somebody's just like being really cold and not you know not them nor- their normal selves instead of us having the perspective of like gosh they might really have something else going on you know i wonder if they're okay we tend to immediately be like oh, well, they don't like me. I did something wrong. They don't. So I think it's, we just need that transparency across the board um, and and that open communication. I think that's super important.
1: Yeah. And I think that this is the right time to, um, I want to touch on like the quote unquote, leave it at the door mentality. Because I think that, it is appropriate, you know, obviously there are different settings that are appropriate to talk about personal things. And there are certain people who, you know, our are, are best friends, our families, like, obviously that's where we go into real detail, the nitty gritty, get really like serious about figuring life things out. But leave it at the door mentality, I think is a, a good and a crippling thing sometimes, you know, because we do need to come into work um, in our best state. Like we do right. need to be at our best for right. our patients and our we practices. Can focus and our- on all the- yeah. 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 We can focus and, you know, conduct everything we have to do in a normal day. Um, and also I think it's okay to realize that our best doesn't always look the same it's not the same every day. And, you know, as much as we want to compartmentalize as humans, it's not really realistic for us to say, Hey, I know you're going through a divorce right now, but you know what, leave that at the door. Just, just leave it at the door. Act like you're not going through a divorce and just come in and, you know, fake it all day long, all, you know, and just be like perfectly, no, like we're humans. Everyone's a freaking human. We're all having a human experience here. We all experience different emotions. We all feel insecure. We all feel afraid. We all feel sad. We all feel happy and joyous. You know, like we're all going through this together. So I think that we need to just say like, yes, the, the place to get into the deep stuff and have serious conversations about life, probably not at work, but yes, like you're saying, it's okay to come in and say, Hey guys, I understand. Um, I have some personal things going on. I just want to let you know I'm not in the best state today. Please don't take it personally. I'm going to do my absolute best um, to be the best team player to be, be the best for our patients. But I want you to understand that this is this is a me issue. I've got some things going on and I'd appreciate your support today. And that's an opportunity for someone else to ask some questions like, Hey, how can I support you? So you're giving others the opportunity to support you by doing that. You know, you don't want to make this obviously a pity party or like, uh, let's talk, you know, let's talk about me and make it about me and and talk about the drama. Obviously that's not where where we want to go with this, but we do want to just make others aware like, Hey, I'm a human. I'm having a human moment here. Can you have some grace for me? Can you, can you really help me? Can you support me? You know, and I know Charissa loves saying like, have some
0: grace, you know, I have. Well, some- so yes, one of my favorite sayings is throw grace around like confetti. Oh, I love it. Ooh. Because about,
1: I, I really want it to be glitter instead of confetti <laughs> because glitter, it never goes away. It's like always If it keeps on giving. A friend of mine said that glitter is the herpes of the art world.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that's so true. Okay. So I'm going to start mis- mixing glitter with the confetti. I like okay. that. That is amazing. Yeah, I I think it's absolutely necessary all day long in the practice because every single person, every single team member is juggling like a million balls and they're going to get dropped. There's no such thing as perfection. There's no, honestly, there's no such thing as us working at our best on a daily basis. Like that's not reality. So I think it's all about the grace. It's all about, you know, kind of not filtering through the me like hey somebody must maybe somebody just took a really maybe one of your business team just took a really hurtful call from a patient who was really angry and you know they're having a bad day so they're taking it out on your business team member Mm -hmm. and now you're coming to ask them a question and they're not in a good place and you're immediately taking that you know in into yourself and it's not even about you so I think it's just kind of revamping our perspectives on what's going on around us and and giving a lot of grace yeah yeah
1: I, I a hundred percent agree with that. And I think that, um, you know, like I said, it gives people the opportunity to support us and gives us the opportunity to support others. And, um, I think that, you know, you said it's not always possible to operate at our best. I just think it's not possible to always operate expecting perfection of anyone, you know? and it's Yeah. That's just not reality. There's no such thing as perfection. It's not real. It's not relatable. So I think we all need to stop chasing the perfection. And I think that this is a, uh, an epidemic in the dental world is like, we all yeah. want to be perfect because we work on such small detailed things every single day, but it's just not a real thing, you know? So focus on the progress. I
0: mean, Hey, um, I'm a, I'm a recovering perfectionist. I got yes, it. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah I feel it. And so we, we have to give ourselves some grace on that front as well. Yeah. But I think, so I think if you feel like this is resonating with you um, and you're like, yeah, there's, there's a lot here to unpack. One of the things I would encourage you to do, and this is awkward sometimes, is nobody likes having difficult conversations. But I think you do need to strategize with your doctors or your office manager, whoever's kind of making a lot of the calls for the office, is an open opportunity for communication. Something that you set up regularly to kind of check in. Um, I know for us, we have morning huddles where as a team, we talk about what worked really well yesterday and what didn't. And if it didn't work well, we come with a solution for how could that have gone better? What what can we do? And I think we as hygienists need to kind of have that one-on-one with our doctors as well to be like, hey... You know, that went really great. We enrolled that case. That was so awesome. Why do you think that worked out? Or, hey, that one patient didn't, didn't move forward or we didn't agree on the treatment. You know, like, let's talk about that. And I think the more we can really be open and vulnerable and have that communication, that open line of communication, the better it's going to be across the board. Everyone's going to feel supported. Our patients are going to be taken care of. Everybody's going to understand. So I think that would be kind of the first place to start. Yeah.
1: And I think that's some of human nature, it's so interesting because sometimes we think that this conversation is so daunting and most of the time it ends up not being as scary or terrible as we're imagining. And like all the fear of having awkward conversations is worse than the conversation itself. And it's like, just rip the bandaid off kind of thing. But I think it's so interesting how, sometimes we avoid a conversation because we think that it's going to be so terrible. And instead we make our lives like 10 times harder than having that conversation would have been. So I just want to, want to bring to light um, this stat. And I think that, uh, man, I'm trying to think of the, the source. I'll have to, I'll have to bring the source later or cited in our, um, our notes for this episode. Um, But, but there's a stat there is, there is a study that happened. I think it was in 2015, Um, that discovered that about 27% of hygienists leave their practices due to communication issues and conflicts with their dentists. So about a quarter of us leave a practice because of difficulty communicating or having conflicts with a dentist. Okay. 13% of us reduce our work hours because of this, because of conflicts and communication issues. 17% of hygienists leave their job because of communication and conflicts with the rest of the team and 7% reduce working hours for the same reason, you know, so, so let's just think about that for a second. So a quarter of us leave a job because we're having a hard time communicating or uh, resolving conflicts with, with dentists. Okay. So what is going to happen at the next office? Do we think, what, what are we thinking? You know, like, what is, I just want to kind of go through all of this because it's like, not if we don't think about it intentionally, it's like, we don't think about it. Right. You know? And I just think that there is no such thing as having no issues. It's, it's right. either, Hey, do I want these problems or those problems? Are these the, the problems that I want to work through? Are these the people that I want to work through these problems with, right. um, or not, you know, but it's never going to be, Oh, there's no problems there's no there's no complication there's no drama there's no conflict like that's just not realistic in any family or any community or any place where we are for for a large portion of our lives you know it's just not realistic to expect that so what is the i think that ignoring or not having confrontation or open communication about uncomfortable things is making our lives so much more difficult Because now, if you if we choose to leave before we've even had an uncomfortable conversation, one we never know what the answer was going to be, or or the outcome would have been. You know, if we have an issue with something specific and we want to ask a question, we never ask the question. The answer is always going to be no. We never know what the answer actually was, and there was a chance that the answer would have been, "Hey, yes, let's try and resolve this together."
0: Well, I have, you know, in in my years, I have I have heard this happening multiple times. I've seen it happen within within our own practices where we have a hygienist who's unhappy about something and she just doesn't, she's overwhelmed and maybe fearful to have a conversation. So she goes out and interviews and looks for another job. And then when she comes in and she turns in her resignation, they're like, whoa, 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 wait, what, what, no, we can work with you. Like we can make this work for you. Like, you know, do you need more money or different hours or like what? And, and, they could have had that conversation up front and gotten their needs met and had it, you know, be a successful venture. But so many times, again, we let those fears drive us um, before we even, yeah, we may
1: ask the question, know the, the answer. It's crazy. So, we, so that person in that case chose to uproot their life, right? Uproot, you know, start over at a new job, which is hard enough, you know, change their, their entire like schedule, their entire um, you know, routine like and have to get to know a whole new team. Have to understand how another doctor operates, or multiple doctors, or multiple hygienists. Have to learn new standard operating procedures. Have to learn, you know, all the systems and all the things there. And just that process is so challenging and difficult that if we actually look at it, like, what is even if we think of it like on such a basic human level, like, what is the easier option here? The easier option is have a conversation that's uncomfortable. Right. You know, like just, just do it, do it and see what happens because the worst case scenario is it's not productive. You don't get what you want out of it, but then, you know, and you have an answer.
0: And I think I I do want to throw out a caveat here, and this is not Please hear me. This is not my go-to, but I do think it's, it needs to be said. So I don't want, if hygienists are listening to this and they're like, okay, I'm going to give this a go and, you know, I'm going to have a hard conversation and I'm going to try an open communication and I'm going to try some autonomy just, you know, within my own chair with what I'm doing with my patients and, and all of that, but it doesn't work out. And I'm in a super toxic practice and I have, you know, a doctor or, or an office manager that's just not open, you know, the, we're not, we're not uh, alloc- allocating you to stay in an unhealthy, toxic situation. But what we are saying is have the conversation first, you know, do what you can do. And if you find that, you know, that brick wall just will not move, then maybe it is time to look somewhere else. But, you know, start with the uh, looking at the fear, because just like Brittany said, you're going to get to the next place and there's going to be different issues, maybe even the same issues, but you know, because there seems to be a lot of similar issues going on from practice to practice. So you're just going to trade one set of problems for another, try to work it out because who knows, maybe you could solve that problem and have a really good working relationship.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And you'll never know if you don't ask.
0: Thanks for investing your time and energy into listening to Bulletproof Hygiene. Remember to click subscribe to join our community of dental professionals that embrace growth and collaboration to better yourself, your patients, and our profession. For more information on our 2021 Live Summit, Bulletproof Hygiene book, and training opportunities, download the Mighty Networks app and search Bulletproof Hygiene. thing I would say that we want our doctors to know about us is we realize that we need you. We want you. We, we want to work in this beautiful partnership. Um, You know, we have respect for you. We, we love you. We, we need you not just from a legal aspect of, you know, needing a doctor to, to, you know, be the umbrella and the licensure and run the practice, but we want that communication. We want that acknowledgement. We want to feel like we are working together. Um, You know, I just feel like sometimes, sometimes, um, you know, doctors just kind of think, oh, I got to go do a hygiene check. And, you know, they're just not super excited about it, but we need you to really kind of knock the ball out of the park once we've, we've teed it up.
1: Yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of, Docs, maybe, can see how hygienists we need you, and all of your team members need you from a financial standpoint. Like, yes, we all need to pay our bills and take care of our families, and that's what we need. We need our jobs, you know, but we need you like in so many ways other than paying us our paychecks or giving us bonuses or providing, you know, incentives or, you know, like, I think that what we really need from you is some verbal affirmation, I think is really helpful and goes a long way because I think that from a dentist perspective, it might be easy too to be like, man, I just, I just gave my hygienist a bonus and like, he or she still isn't happy here, you know, or there's there, there's still some, um, some issue or I feel like our relationship isn't the best or things aren't going the smoothest. And, um, I think that, you know, bonuses and pay and, and compensation does matter and goes a long way. And like, we're obviously insanely grateful to have jobs and to, you know, be be able to take care of our families and ourselves, but we also need, you know, other things on Maslow's hierarchy of needs from you. (laughs) Like we need um, like to have a, a real relationship of trust with you. So that does involve, you know, thank you so much for the monetary things and the bonuses and the experiences and stuff, but we need to hear from you what we're doing well. And what's, what's going well, what you expect from us, you know, we need open communication. And these are all like the things that take time and time is a very valuable, valuable resource. And we respect and totally acknowledge that, but like, we need your time. We need that verbal affirmation. We need, um, open line of communication. And we, we do like Charissa said, I respect my doc so much. Like I, I know I can just see all of the things that they have done to be in the place that they are in life. Like the insane investment that they made just, just in student loans. Like if we just thought about that, like just, just student loans, just taking eight years of their life to, to get the, at least eight years, you know, plus all the CE, plus if they went into specialty, plus whatever that was, you know Um, just, just from that perspective, like, Holy crap, clearly you're in this, you're invested, like so much respect for going the distance and completing what you've already completed and then taking the risk and the weight and the, the chance on opening a practice and investing in that, and then hiring a team and becoming a business owner or a partner, like we discussed before, like so much respect, like, Holy crap. Like I, I can really see how much weight that is, you know, and thank goodness. I'm so thankful to work with um, Dr. Craig and the other dentists that I do because they're really transparent about these things, but that's part of what makes our relationship better. You know, it's really what adds to the relationship makes me feel valued as a hygienist and makes our hygienist feel valued and we want to, we want you to know that we support you in all of that. And we respect everything that you've done. You know Um, we rely so much on our docs to have our backs. And like you said, make our, our lives go smoothly at work and kind of have those open patient conversations and roll patients in treatment do what's very best for them. We we need you. Like we need our docs so much.
0: And we need your leadership. Um, Brittany touched on a good point a second ago when she said we need to know what's expected of us. You know, that's one of the ways we as humans gauge are we doing right or not is by knowing the clear expectations. And, and that's how we determine whether or not we're doing what we should be doing. And so we need that leadership from you to make sure that we are meeting those expectations and, and doing what we need to be doing. And, you know, some you're, you're at the helm of the ship and everyone's looking to follow you. So we, we need that. And we want to support you right back. You know, we get You know, I know there's a a conversation where, you know, doctors don't love being pulled out of their, their, what they're doing to come do a hygiene exam. Sometimes that kind of feels frustrating for them. And we totally get that. I, it, I hate having to go pull a doctor out of something they're doing. Um, But we're doing that because we, we need your leadership. We need your, your support and your guidance. And that patient needs you and and they need us collectively. And I want to just say that, you know, I, I alluded to this earlier, but hygiene is hard it's really hard and timing is everything we are expected to do so much within such a short period of time and we're doing the best we can, but it's a lot. And um, we need you to come in and kind of help us stay on track and help us make sure that we're looking at all the right things and communicating effectively together.
1: Yes. And um, I, I want to also just touch on the fact that like we're talking so much about communication And, you know, no one is perfect at communicating. Sometimes it's messy. Sometimes it's ugly. It doesn't go as planned. I think as much transparency as possible is what helps us to continue communicating in the future. Like if, you know, if there's an apology that needs to happen on either side of the equation, you know, or there's something that needs to be, I don't know, just transparency is the key to that. And also I want to say that sometimes communication really needs to be scheduled. Like it needs to be intentionally had it needs to be, it it needs to be intentional. Um, sometimes that involves taking an hour out of the day, or planning something after hours, or taking a half day and really having an open team dialogue. Because that seems like I know, and I know in reality it is maybe even a loss of revenue or a loss of profitability for that one hour or few hours. That you know, if it's a team meeting or something like that, that is. That is taking away from immediate profitability, but in the long term, it's going to equal so much more um, team unity and morale and um, just strength, I think, that it's going to be like a tenfold difference, honestly. Like, so the communication that needs to happen sometimes I think can feel like, oh, but this isn't, this is counterintuitive to what we need urgently, which is profitability or to keep the lights under the doors open. But in the back end, I just think that it will improve profitability because all that is secondary to taking care of the patient and the team and having rapport and good relationships, you know? So it might seem like, oh, this is uh, something that's not really measurable, or this isn't going to result in whatever. But I think that it definitely will if we take the time to do that, you know, and you've hired the right people. Yeah,
0: yeah for sure. Well, I hope that we have provided a lot of uh, thought provoking um, questions and, and ideas. And that if you're a hygienist, you'll kind of sit down and, and kind of look at things and determine where you need to go from here. And if you're a doctor listening, that you'll do the same. And, you know, our goal because we do work in really great practices and we have spent a lot of years getting to where we are, is that we will help you guys get there too. So, you know, if you have questions, if you have concerns, you could always check us out on our Mighty Network, Bulletproof Hygiene. That's a great forum to ask questions and have discussions. So please join us there. Um, But thank you so much for your time. Yes.
1: Thank you so much for your time. And please let us know what else you know what, what did we miss? What else <laughs> what do, you do you want, want to talk hear? about? What did you think of this conversation? And what, you know, what else is there? We know that there's so much more that docs want us to know, that we want our docs to know. And Sharice and I have very broad but limited perspectives. So we want to know from your world, what does this look like? What other challenges do you have? Please let us know what you think. And like Sharice said, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time and your investment in yourself and in our profession. And we will see you